Welcome to Overlooked. My name is Yemi, and I'll be your host for the show. Released weekly, I share Overlooked stories from around the world with you. This will include the good, the bad, the weird, and sometimes the absolutely hilarious. Come back often, share with your friends, and feel free to add the podcast to your regular podcast rotation, wherever you get your podcasts. If you come across stories or articles that you think should be featured here, please don't hesitate to share them. Now, it's time for this week's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode and happy Labor Day if you are celebrating. For those who are not celebrating and have no idea what I'm talking about, Labor Day is held on the first Monday in September every year. It celebrates the contributions that workers have made to a country's strength, prosperity, and well-being. The first holiday celebrating Labor Day was held in 1882 in New York City in the U.S. It is synonymous with International Workers' Day, also known as May Day or Workers' Day, that is held in many countries across the world on May the 1st every year. So yeah, I snuck a fun fact in for you there at the beginning. Alright then, let's jump straight into the stories for this week. You know, sometimes all people need is for someone to take a chance on them, believe in them, and give them support. And this is what the story brings you. It is pretty wholesome. An American woman, Lashenda Williams, who had been battling drug addiction and had been spending nights in her car at a Nashville Kroger, is now working at the store. According to Jackie Vandal, who is the hiring manager at Kroger, last year, Miss Williams approached her with determination, saying that she would one day work at the store. At the end of last year, Jackie Vandal then encouraged her to attend an upcoming job fair. Miss Vandal said she got a good feeling about her, so once the application was filled, she hired her on the spot. She has now been there eight months, and her happiness is overflowing. Her co-workers have said she has an uplifting attitude that is nothing short of contagious. She now has an apartment, and the apartment was furnished with the help of her community and her co-workers. I personally couldn't stop smiling when I first read this story. It was so heartwarming, so I thought to share. Under a new Australian law, sexual assault victims who publicly discuss their experiences using their real names could face up to four months in prison. Changes to the state's Judicial Proceedings Reports Act, which were made quietly in February, now make it an offense for anyone, including the victim, to publicly disseminate information that leads to the identification of the victim of a sexual assault. Critics have described the amendment as a gag law, a win for the offenders, and a blow to the victims. They have now launched the hashtag Let Us Speak campaign that is demanding that the state's government change the new regulation. Foreign white farmers that settled in Zimbabwe, whose land was seized under the former president Robert Mugabe, can now apply to get it back. If restitution to actually get the land is not practical, they will be offered the land somewhere else. This was surprising to me to say the least. And to say that this is polarizing across the internet would be putting it very, very mildly. And even across my own friend group, the opinions were relatively divided. So in August, the Zimbabwean government agreed to pay 3.5 billion US dollars in compensation to the white farmers whose land was forcibly taken by the government to resettle black families. 
The financial compensation would be for the infrastructure on the farms and not the land itself. That means that in some instances, the government would revoke the offer letters of resettled black farmers currently occupying those pieces of land and then offer them an alternative land elsewhere. But removing these black beneficiaries from the land could prove practically and politically difficult because the issue of who owns the land in Zimbabwe is seen as controversial. About 20 years ago, in 2000 and 2001, former President Robert Mugabe seized and redistributed the lands owned by 4,500 white families to black families. Some estimates peg that the number of black families that received these land parcels were about 300,000. It appears that the concession came after the United States made the compensation a condition to stop the current economic sanctions that it has over the country. It also appears that the financial compensation is not new. It was part of a unity government deal in 2013, but Robert Mugabe essentially dismissed it. Mugabe's successor, Emerson Manangagwa, appears to be essentially ratifying a section of the existing Bilateral Investment Protection and Promotion Agreement, or BIPPA, where indigenous farmers as well as white farmers are entitled to compensation for both land and improvements, while others are only entitled to compensation for the improvements. A BIPPA is essentially an agreement between countries that protect the investment of foreign citizens. In addition to removing the economic sanctions, this is also likely an attempt by the government to boost the agricultural sector. Given the historical complexities with the history of land ownership in the southern part of Africa as a whole, this story and its potential implications has me on pins and needles. There is a lot to unpack. Maybe we should do an episode focused on the history of land ownership in southern Africa. What do you think? Comment on any of my social media pages using the link in the episode and let me know if that's something you would like to hear. That being said, let's wait, cross our fingers, maybe our toes too, and hope for the best. Switzerland is celebrating the new Sineri Base Tunnel. It is considered a major milestone towards the completion of the new Trans-European Rail Route. The tunnel officially opened for rail traffic following a ceremony complete with Alphorn players and musicians from the German-speaking regions of Switzerland and its Italian-speaking Southern Ticino region, symbolizing the new link between the countries north and south. The 15.4-kilometer tunnel is the largest infrastructure project ever undertaken in Switzerland, costing around CHF $23 billion or $25 billion U.S. dollars. According to Swiss media, the impact will be significant on international traffic. From 2021, travelers will be able to get from Zurich to Milan in less than two and a half hours. When other projects are completed, including the Italian side, this time will drop to three hours, 40 minutes quicker than what it is now. Good stuff. Good stuff. Starting in October 2020, The United States has said that it would lift for one year its decades-old arms embargo on Cyprus to allow non-lethal military goods to be sold to the Mediterranean island. The embargo has been in place since 1987. The President of the Republic of Cyprus welcomed the decision, but Turkey was not taking the news well. Turkey believes that it would poison peace and security in the region, 
while the Republic of Cyprus believes that it would affirm it. Cyprus has been divided since 1974 into what is now known as the Republic of Cyprus, the primarily Greek part that is part of the European Union and is internationally recognized, and then there's the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus, which is recognized by Turkey. Greece, Turkey, and Britain are guarantor powers of the island under a very convoluted treaty which granted Cyprus independence from Britain in 1960. Repeated diplomatic efforts to unify the island have failed so far. Turkey, as one of the guarantor countries, has said that they would have to take countermeasures to guarantee the security of the people of the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus if the U.S. proceeds. Turkey currently has 40,000 troops located in the TRNC. The U.S. announcement came in the middle of increasing tensions in the Eastern Mediterranean between Turkey and Greece over sea borders and gas drilling rights. For Turkey, the announcement built on the European Union's threats to impose fresh sanctions on Turkey unless they take steps to diffuse the escalating tension with Greece. Nasrin Sotude, a human rights activist who for the last two years has been locked up in Iran's notorious Evin prison, has been on a hunger strike for the last three weeks in protest against the lawlessness in Iranian prisons and the inhumane conditions in the overcrowded women's wing. She shared a letter on August 11th articulating the reason for her strike. The letter has been linked on the blog. Her husband has announced that she refused an intravenous administration of saline solution to treat her symptoms, which include nausea. So today wants to use her action to secure the release of political prisoners in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Faced with the threat of the virus spreading in the prison system, the Iranian judiciary reportedly sent some 85,000 prisoners on parole in early March. However, human rights activists and civil society activists were excluded from the decision or remain incarcerated in Evin prison. Sotude is broadly considered Iran's most prominent political prisoner. She has worked mainly as a lawyer for dissidents and has been sentenced to several prison terms for her work since 2010. In March 2019, she was sentenced to 33 years in prison and 148 lashes with a whip for alleged disturbance of public order and endangering national security. Shortly before her arrest in 2018, she defended two young women who had been arrested for protesting against the headscarf law. A lot of human rights groups, including Amnesty International, are calling for her release and the release of other political prisoners. French authorities are investigating a senior military official for passing ultra-sensitive information to Russian intelligence. The officer was reportedly working at NATO's base in Italy. NATO means North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and it is an alliance that consists of 30 independent member countries, including Canada, France, Greece, Turkey, and the United States. In his announcement this Sunday, September 6th, the French defense minister said France's armed forces had taken necessary protective measures following the security breach. The arrest comes one week after U.S. authorities arrested a former Special Forces officer for sharing his unit's activities with Russian intelligence. The NATO alliance has been on alert since 2014, when Russia annexed part of Ukraine. Western officials have also accused Russia of engaging in hybrid warfare. There have also been tensions among NATO members 
stemming from, among other things, questions about the U.S.'s continued commitment to the Union and the tension between Greece and Turkey related to foreign policy and oil exploration in the Eastern Mediterranean. Okay, have you guys heard of Sweden's disgusting food museum? No, I'm not insulting it. That's the actual name. What about the disgusting booze museum? Again, not an insult. That is the name. So you're in for a stomach-churning experience, so brace yourself. Don't say I didn't warn you. If you can't take it, skip this section. A museum dedicated to stomach-churning food has now added equally off-putting alcoholic drinks to its display, including wine fermented in the prison toilet. The museum in Malmo, Sweden, said that it wanted people to examine their relationship with booze by seeing the extreme lengths that others would go through while craving alcohol. There is, to name a few, a fermented cornmeal beer from Peru, wine fermented in a prison toilet, an ancient Korean beverage fermented from children's feces and rice, a strong Scottish brew served from the mount of a taxidermid squirrel, and an Icelandic beer made with a whale testicle smoked in sheep dung. Ugh, oh boy. Give me a second to drink water. Oh wait, maybe I shouldn't drink anything at all. Breathe, yummy, breathe. And this is just for the alcohol. Let's not get into the food. Actually, you want to talk about it, you can go about that yourself. But me, I'm moving on to the next story. I'm done. Nope, nope. Okay, now that we're done with that, and I've successfully settled my tummy from reading that article, let's switch over to a new relief that scientists have now found for alcoholism. So while I can promise that it's going to be relatively less stomach churning, the key word there is relative. But at least it's a cure for something, so let's keep going. Researchers for Virginia's Commonwealth University have found that fecal transplants can reduce drinking behaviors in people addicted to alcohol. Translation, researchers have found a way to use poo particles to manage alcoholism. Fecal microbial transplant, or FMT, is a procedure in which doctors transplant fecal matter from a healthy donor to another person to introduce healthy bacteria into their gut and relieve various health conditions. This process has been used for millennia in Chinese medicine and is gaining renewed interest in the West. Animal studies had already shown the potential for FMT to treat negative behaviors caused by alcohol use. The current trial is the first robust, placebo-controlled study of the treatment for alcoholism in humans. The test participants who received the transplant had a lower alcohol craving compared to those who did not. Okay, I'm done with the gross stuff. I can't take it anymore. And I'm sure you can't either. So, we're together in this. Alright, on to our last story. Where Pakistan has now banned dating apps Tinder, Grindr, and three other apps in a bid to restrict what the government has called immoral and indecent content. The Pakistan Telecommunications Authority, or PTA, has said that it issued notices to the management of Tinder, Grindr, Tag, Scout, and Say Hi, seeking the removal of dating services on those platforms. What else would be on Tinder if you remove dating services? Like, I'm not even... Okay, all right. Last week, the regulatory body asked YouTube to block all videos that were considered objectionable in the country. In the past, 
the video app TikTok, which I'm sure most people know, and the live streaming app Bigo Live were also reprimanded over explicit content. However, with greater regulations imposed on digital platforms, right groups are now worried that the government is attempting to push censorship and gain control of free media. From what I saw, the reaction on Twitter were a mixed bag, most tilting towards anger over government overreach in the lives of consenting adults, while some were focused on why it is a priority for government rather than other issues. Some made fun and others just supported the move for the sake of maintaining the relatively conservative way of life. This is the last story for this week, and before I leave, here's another fun fact for you to share as you celebrate Labor Day. Did you know that technically, the hashtag symbol is called an octotherp? The origin of the name is debatable. Some stories say that it's the old English word for village, and others say that octo, for eight, refers to the eight points on the symbol plus the name terp. That's just two of several origin stories. That's a fun fact. And that's all. Happy Labor Day if you're celebrating and have yourselves a great week. Thanks for listening, friends. As a reminder, the podcast is released weekly. Subscribe or follow across social media to be notified when a new episode is released. Overlooked is a Tunuka Media production which also includes shows like Africa in My Kitchen, with more on the way. Follow Tunuka Media on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to connect to say hi, or to be on the forefront of upcoming shows and program schedules. Until next time, I'm your host, Yemi, wishing you a better tomorrow.